spacecraft did not crash in Roswell, New Mexico in 1947. You know flat earthers, I guarantee it. But you don't know who they are because they're afraid of talking about it. This is not a test. This is your emergency broadcast system. Hello and welcome to the 152nd annual Subliminal Deception Podcast, your weekly dose of conspiracy theory. Bullshit, my name is Cody. I'm joined by my pal Phil. How are you? Doing good, buddy. How about yourself? Uh, not doing too bad. There is something I wanted to talk about. Um, so I know, and before anybody emails us, I know I'm behind the eight ball here. But I started watching uh, South Park as my kind of go-to-bed show, right? Yeah. And last night, I watched the Kanye West Fish Sticks episode. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know if I've laughed that hard at a South Park episode in quite a while. Yeah, that is it's quite an old episode, but that is one of the classics, obviously, <laughs> right along with the World Craft episode and uh, a few other ones. But yeah, that is a pretty good episode. I actually at work today, this girl, I knew she'd have no idea what I was talking about. And we were all sitting there and I just went up and asked her, I'm like, hey, do you like fish sticks? And then. She's like, yeah, and then everybody got it instantly and started laughing. She had no fucking idea why we were laughing. Yeah, that's crazy. Well, uh, it's, I mean, it's, uh, depending on who you're talking to, I suppose I could see. I think you probably talk about her quite a bit. I can figure out who it is who didn't get that joke. But the, um, yeah, I can't remember how long ago that episode was. I think, see, wasn't your old go to sleep thing, wasn't that, uh, what TV show was that? Uh, I watched a lot of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. Oh, okay. Yeah, my new my new go-to-sleep show, I actually started watching old episodes of Frasier. Nothing puts okay. me to sleep faster All than, right. uh, than that. Like, most of the time, honestly, I just put on YouTube and watch, like, somebody playing a video game or something like that um, and, go, and go to bed that way, but... Yesterday, I just felt like watching South Park, and then I started, I was like, okay, I'm going to go to bed early, and then I ended up staying up watching, like, three episodes. Yeah. You got to be careful, because you can't have, like, too entertaining of a show be your go-to-bed show, because you'll end up, like, watching, yeah, three or four episodes. That's why, Frasier, I got to be careful, because I get into that second episode, and I'm about to pass out in my chair. Like, I have to make sure to, like, get myself up and go to bed. Or I'm passing out in my chair after one episode. Okay, quick question. Do you have a favorite episode of South Park that I could possibly watch that I have maybe have not seen? Ooh, um, God. The, my favorite episode of South Park is probably the World of Warcraft one. Okay. Obviously, that was a great one. Yeah. Um, there's the, the whole series where Stan's dad starts to, um, basically like wake up to the fact that um, the town's being taken over. South Park's being take- gentrified. That whole series is great. Um, I think it's about I think it's about five or six episodes where basically uh, their teacher comes back from being like president of the United States and it's crazy. He Basically, he's Trump, but... Okay, I need to... I'll have to find that one. I think I know what you're talking about. Is it where he starts a weed farm? Yeah, right after that, he starts a weed farm. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I need to... <laughs> I'll need to Tegrity, check those. Integrity weed. Yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, Phil. Well, uh, anything new in your life, Phil? No, not really. Um, I plan on, so I didn't catch any of the games, but I did catch all the highlights. Um, it's kind of busy this weekend. Apparently the USFL, they started that back up this past weekend. And a couple of guys at work were telling me that the games were pretty decent. So it's, I mean, it's not the most, It they're not like pro, you know, like NFL greats out there playing, but it's actually kind of better to watch like, you know, players who aren't as good. Like, you know, it's a little bit dirtier. They want it more. You know, they're actually, it feels like they're fighting for something. Kind of like you're watching college football. Yeah, I I was going to say, you love college football for that reason because they're still hungry. Yeah, they're still hungry. They're not, you know, millionaires who, you know, only really have love for their own brand. 
you know, <laughs> they're still out there <laughs> trying to make a brand, you know. Right. Yeah. Uh, any idea what channels they would be on? Oh, God. Um, shit. I have no idea. I believe it was there was a, one of the games was streaming, I think. And then also on like network TV, ABC, maybe, but I'm not exactly sure. Basically, whatever channel doesn't have NFL. I think that's the one that has the the USFL on it. OK, I was going to say, I wonder if like it's on YouTube or even Amazon Prime. Well, I don't know. They have NFL shit. Yeah, I think they're trying to buddy up with NFL right now. They base Amazon Prime basically wants to have most of the NFL games streaming on their app, which I wouldn't be opposed to. I would actually really like that because I cut the cable a long time ago. So, yeah, me too. Um, you know what I saw today? Uh, this shouldn't be shocking to anybody, but apparently Amazon, I don't know if it was this year or last year, uh, the company didn't have to pay taxes at all. <laughs> Oh yeah, well that's yeah. <laughs> that's pretty much all the the big corporations don't don't bother with that yeah. that peasant shit. Yeah. Ah, uh, yeah, that is uh, that's a fucking shame, especially since I had to pay into taxes this year for the first time ever for some some reason. Ooh. So that was fun. That's your first time home buyer, so I don't know why. Don't know, man. I I I I don't know why I had to. It was. Uh, Apparently, I made more money at my new job than I did at my old one last year. So maybe that's the case. I don't know. <clears throat> but uh, yeah, Uncle Sam fucked you over, it sounds like. <laughs> he got my ass and he twisted it up. But uh, anyway, Phil, are you are you ready for this week's episode? Yeah, let's hit it. All right. I'm going to let everybody know ahead of time here, uh, you macabre fans who like uh, a little bit of brutality in the episodes this I think today's gonna maybe sedate your your urges there, so but we'll get mm. into it here. On this week's episode, we are going to be covering a uh, first for this show, I believe anyway, a mass hysteria event. It's almost guaranteed that our listeners have heard of the mass hysteria event known as the Salem Witch Trials that led to the deaths of several men and women in Salem, Massachusetts. Now, one would assume that people might have learned from the mistakes that they made at Salem, but about 100 years later, another mass hysteria event would take hold, which would become known as the New England Vampire Panic and created a woman who would become known as America's Last Vampire. Have you you heard of this at all? No, I haven't heard of this at all. Uh, I have, I, I think I may have heard of the vampire panic, but just a little bit, but I've never heard of this woman. Uh, is it, is it vampire or vampress when it's a woman? I don't know, honestly. Um, okay. I, they call it a vampire. I think in this particular thing, vampire is gender neutral. So men or women or whatever, they can just be a vampire. Um, you know, obviously, there's plenty of people who, who want to be vampires but are not actually vampires. Well, I don't know. What what clarifies or what classifies you from being a vampire or not being a vampire, really? You drink blood. Does that make you a vampire? Um, I mean, if you consider like a, like a bat that drinks blood, a vampire <laughs> bat, I guess maybe. Ooh. But I think being undead and allergic to the sun, also, you know, immortal kind of deal i think that's what would classify you as a vampire like the classic vampire so you know i you just mentioned the the uh bat drinking blood right yes did i talk on the show that i went and watched the new show or the new movie morbius no you did not i've heard bad things yes it is dog shit (laughs) um i wouldn't recommend anybody watching it like I don't. I guess you watch it, but there's so many loopholes, so many stupid scenes, and I'm just like, uh, I I don't know. Jared Leto. After I hear what if what an asshole he is, it kind of diminishes the movie too. Oh yeah, pretty sure. Uh, they really tried to. I don't know. It's they really sold the fuck out of that movie, and then the moment it came out, you stopped seeing any commercials on it. That was the scary thing for that movie. I was actually <laughs> thinking about going to see that movie. And then I I saw like the flood of bad reviews come in, so yeah. yeah wait till yeah. it comes to Disney Plus or 
What? Actually, no, that one can't because it's owned by Sony. Wait till it's, you can get Redbox or something. Just Redbox it. Just yeah. give it a dollar. Yeah. yeah. I'm still thinking about going to see the Batman, but not going to go see that Morbius movie. Yeah. The Batman is on HBO Max right now, and I'm going to watch it maybe this Ooh. weekend. It is three hours long, so yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's going to take a bit. I'm going to see the new Nicolas Cage movie this Friday, so that should be pretty sweet. Is it where you just watch him basically pick dollar bills up off the ground as he's walking along? Just, <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's a penny. Oh, there's a quarter. <laughs> there you Exactly. Yeah. Now back to the uh, story here. Now for the states of Maine, New Hampshire, Vermont, Massachusetts, Rhode Island, and Connecticut, which make up the New England area, uh, it will eventually earn the title of vamp- Vampire Capital of America. Now I'm not entirely sure if that's all of the New England area, or if that was specifically Rhode Island, that wasn't classified. But those states are, are what's included in the uh, New England vampire panic. So keep that in mind here. But the roots of the story would all begin with something that actually doesn't involve vampires or anything supernatural at all. During the 1800s, the New England area consisted mostly of rural regions and lots of farmland, which was uh, readily available to produce crops. But over the century, the New England area saw its population shrinking and found itself having a lot of abandoned farms and farmland. Now, this was apparently due to people dying from a magnitude of diseases people dying after being sent to fight uh, in the Civil War and such, or other wars, and settlers who lived in this area simply wanting to migrate west, which was a big thing to do back then. So basically what we're saying here is, or what I'm about to be talking about here is, a lot of people lived here, and then now during this time, a lot of people didn't live here. So it was kind of a, kind of a, um, I don't know, eerie, a little bit eerie, right? With all the abandoned places. Set up a lot of ghost towns and yeah. such. Kind of like what happened in uh, uh, this old city that people used to live in called Detroit. Yeah. Pretty much just a big ghost town right now with a lot of empty buildings, vagrants uh, running around. Um, You know, it's funny. There, I work with somebody who happens to have graduated in the same town and grew up in the same hometown you and I did. And I was talking to her. And she was like, yeah, I went back there for Easter. She's like, man, those towns are really dying, aren't they? I'm like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Dying a slow death. I'm pretty sure you could buy a house right now in Cresco two for one. Just think so. You buy your house and then you get the one right next to it. Just please, (laughs) for the love of God, pay the taxes. Somebody live here, please. (laughs) Uh, Featherlight needs more workers, please. Definitely. Yeah. Now, like I mentioned, with the shrinking population... There was a lot of abandoned farms, right? Uh, yep. This year, this is estimates of how bad it had gotten by 1890. In the town of Exeter, Rhode Island, it had somewhere around 63 abandoned farms. In Situate, Massachusetts, they had around 45 abandoned farms. Holy crap. That's, I mean, that's really bad for the local area to lose all those people, all that labor. Also, a lot of the people aren't paying taxes anymore, you know, or a lot of these farms aren't paying taxes. It could be a really good opportunity, though, for people to go in and just swallow up a shit ton of land. Right. You would assume Which I, that would happen, but it didn't seem to be happening quite yet. Yeah, it actually happened out west. So a lot of people would like homestead, would homestead a lot of that land, but then they would fail at farming. So they would basically till up all that land and create all these fields, lose their property, and then someone would come in and buy up all of their land. And that's why there's these huge like land barons now in the Western states. Yeah, I can tell you what, uh, apparently that's a big, becoming a big problem uh, back home as well. The corporate farmers. Buying yes. up like everything. Um, now, I'm going to ask you this. So a lot of this is going to take place from like the very start of the 1800s till almost the start of the 1900. Um, obviously, there's a civil war. What other wars were there? I'm pretty sure there's other wars in there, correct? Well, yeah. So you, you said the start of the 1800s to the end of the 1800s? Yeah. So we actually fought um, 
a, there was a tiny little war where we sent a few Marines to the Barbary Coast. But we also fought um, against the British again in the War of 1812. Okay. We, we fought the Mexican-American War in the 1840s, I believe. Uh, then we fought the Civil War in the 1860s. Uh, the War of 1898 against the Spanish was at the end of the century, obviously 1898. Okay. So with also um, the entire that entire 50 year period between 1830 and 1870, 1880 was filled with wars against Native Americans all okay. throughout the plains. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's so there would be a lot of dead people basically oh yeah, yeah oh okay. there was yeah and you, you're forgetting you know don't forget basically like if you you know for a family having children say they had 10 kids it wasn't unusual for five of them to die correct or yeah. the entire family to die of a disease just rolling through you right know? right you know what i heard before like people didn't actually die as young as we remember or as young as they thought it's just there was so much infantile death that throws that whole age of expectancy or life expectancy age uh down yes if you survived through childhood you were probably going to live to be in your you know 50s maybe 60s some people a really old person might live to be like 80 right right but because so many people so many children died before the age of like four or five it really dragged down, uh, like you were saying, the life expectancy. So instead of, you know, basically saying that like half the population lived to be like, you know, maybe five to 10 years old, half, other half the population lived to be like in their 50s, it looks like, yeah, the life expectancy was like mid 30s. Right. You know? Right. Um, now, kind of what I was getting at here is for whatever reason, and I think this is a phenomenon that still happens to this day. When you kind of have a group of people now living in a semi-isolated area where they have little pockets of small populations, you have ghost towns and stuff, it seems like superstitions (laughs) really start to take hold of those communities and they'll kind of believe wild shit. Now, in this area, apparently, it wouldn't be weird for the people to to have an area where they would bury their shoes near a fireplace uh, that was said to keep the devil away. Uh, they would <laughs> they would use fresh spring water uh, because they believed it had some sort of special healing properties. Now, if they are starting to believe these types of things, when they start to believe that vampires or vampirism is taking a hold of these communities, it's not exactly a big shock. No, yeah, not a big shock at all. So... This little news article I have here, and I hope you can maybe get this on our Instagram with the post of the episode, but this is from the Boston Daily Globe, uh, posted on January 27th, 1896. Can you imagine picking up a newspaper, Phil, and you're reading this article here, titled, Believe in Vampires, Rhode Islanders Who Are Sure That They Do Exist, instances told of where the living have been attacked and preyed upon by the representatives of the unseen world. And it says this is like published by a member of the anti-vampire party. Yeah, that's, I mean, (laughs) nowadays it would be crazy. The funny thing is you might see this on Instagram. Oh, for sure. You know, sure. But like back then they were like for real, they really believed in this. That's just amazing. But yeah, it's like you said the thing about like burying your shoes next to a fire. That's insane. <laughs> uh, actually, actually, back then, uh, up until not too long ago, they really did believe some people now with like mineral, but they did believe that those natural springs did have healing properties. People would actually plan their vacations around going to those springs. Here's the thing. Was the water that shitty <laughs> that they're like, this is fresh fucking water. This must be. Or this is the only one that didn't give them dysentery. So they're like, man, this must have some healing properties to it. Possibly. Yeah. You, like out, you hear the old West, basically people would, you know, uh, the wells that they would dig would be all, you know, just stagnant water or whatnot. And then basically everyone in town was just drinking whiskey. 
because they <laughs> couldn't drink the water. So <laughs> that's terrible. Oh yeah. my god. But I was also gonna say too. I mean, you know, there are little even like today. There's isolated little communities that you know have these weird beliefs. Like you get some of these islands off the coast of the eastern United States that still have like weird kind of like religious practices. They're even like their language, even their dialect is kind of affected because they have so little like contact with the outside world. Now, of course, they're building like bridges and there's more readily available ferries. But back like 50 years ago, 100 years ago, those people were pretty much out there by themselves. You know, okay, so this is maybe a bad example, but something that I've noticed from growing up in a small town to like living in the city here, and you yep. talk to people who grew up <clears throat> in... uh in like the metro, right? Mm -hmm. We had in the hometown like areas that were allegedly haunted or there's some sort of supernatural being in this abandoned house or X, Y, and Z. I never hear things like that here, like where I live. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. Like just knowing that certain houses in town were haunted, knowing yeah. that the Cresco Theater was haunted. All that stuff. Right. But yeah, in, in a city, you can't just, there is no, well, probably because it's it's so big. Maybe on a neighborhood level, that happens. But yeah, I mean, like around here, I have no idea like what houses would be haunted around here. I feel like there's enough people who are like, uh, if someone starts saying that, you know, 220 Richard Street is fucking haunted, enough people are probably like, nah, I doubt it. Or... Or the people who also live on Richard Street would be worried their property value goes down. Yeah, very so they true. They wouldn't say shit. <laughs> very true. <laughs> uh, but you know the the disease that would um, ultimately send the citizens of the New England area into this kind of fevered panic was actually tuberculosis, uh, mm. which was a very nasty disease where one would slowly waste away. Some of the signs of tuberculosis include weight loss. You would get a very pale complexion. You'd have a very high fever. You'd be sweating your brains out. Um, you'd be coughing up a lot of blood. Uh, this is why it kind of got the nickname or was called at the time consumption because yep. of kind of how your body is just wasting away. Now, this is where, because people didn't, as far as I could find out, they didn't really call it tuberculosis at the time. They called it consumption. And because of the kind of wasting away of your body, um, this is kind of where the fear that it could possibly be a vampire comes comes into play here. And you can kind of see where you're getting the connection here, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. All of the blood that, you know, basically you're 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 pale. You are sickly. You're just coughing up all this blood. Yeah, just like, you know, a vampire. I mean, thank God we have, like, vaccines and stuff for this now because, yep. man, this kill Up until how long, Phil? In the 1950s oh, mid, and 60s, mid, right? Yeah, the mid-20th century. Yeah, man, this killed so many fucking people. Um, yeah, it was a nasty disease. I know there's definitely places in the world... This still kills a lot of people. Yeah. Uh, very, very places that don't have a lot of like readily available, you know, medicines, um, places where, you know, sanitation isn't really uh, quite as well, quite as good as it is, you know, where we live. It's it's still hurting people. Polio, too. They yeah. are actually doing measures to take out tuberculosis and polio in some of the, you know, third world country. But it's still it's fucking, you know, it's still clinging. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, they had a good vice episode about that, um, where they were trying to give out free vaccines in like third world countries, but a lot of people think it's, um, I, I hate, <laughs> they think it's quote unquote Jew poison. Um, that's oh, what yeah. they, that's what they were referring to it as. So there's a lot, it's really hard to, to get people to take it sometimes. Um, interestingly enough, like where I work in the GI clinic, um, like the sanitation uh, things that we use, the main thing it's killing off is tuberculosis, which I think is pretty interesting. Yeah, it's uh, the sad. The really sad thing is a lot of that is a lot of that propaganda is driven by like local religious leaders. Yeah. Who basically yeah. are worried that the doctors are going to come in and take their power away. 
So yeah, yeah, it's it's really it's honestly really tragic. Yeah, a lot of uh, a lot of those poor people are paying those religious leaders to um, magically heal all of their sicknesses. So they're worried about doctors coming in and you know taking their corner away from them, basically. Now there are a few historians who disagree whether it was uh, the Germans or the British <laughs> that eventually would kind of spread the fear of vampirism in America. Although, by most accounts, it seemed most logical that it was actually the Germans because of the old uh, tale of the Naxira, which was a creature that had returned from the dead and feasted on the flesh of the living. It is believed that the Germans who came over uh, and helped fight during apparently the Revolutionary War had started telling people to be careful of the Naxira. So it was kind of, we've talked about this many times before, the very, very long, <laughs> long game of telephone. Um, yes. So they implanted that in people's minds when people started dying of consumption that that belief started to fester. Maybe this is a vampire. Maybe this is a Naxira. You know, maybe that that type of thing. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, so when the Hessians came over, they brought their stories from Germany. I do wonder if that Naxira creature might have started up kind of during the Black Plague. Because the Black Plague hit Germany like a motherfucker. So I wonder if it was even older than just the 1700s. Now, I'm going to mention this, but I and I don't know if this clarifies anything, but apparently the Naxira... Um, it was, it has ties to Romania. Okay. Okay. So would that clarify that at all? Obviously, Romania, uh, the land, the homeland of the vampire. Yep. So I don't know if that makes a difference at all. Yeah. I mean, it's, God, that's, that actually kind of, uh, ties it all up together real nicely right there. Um, Transylvania, you know, obviously Vlad the Impaler. Um, yeah, that's pretty crazy. But what does it say? Did it say like what this this creature looked like at all? No, it was basically a dead body that just <laughs> came oh, back okay. and, and ate people. It had to be dead, okay? And then it came back and started feasting on the flesh of living people. Gotcha. Okay, so... Basically, like uh, just your your average Pittsburgh resident, yeah. just kind of <laughs> you know, you know, just dirty skin falling off, like drooling, going after human flesh. I Everybody knows Terry Bradshaw can only live off the fle flesh of living people. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yeah. <laughs> now the Germans would claim the only way to protect yourself from the Nagir was to burn their bodies or select pieces of the insides of the people after they perished. And as mentioned, apparently this practice originated in Romania in the year 1784 after witnessing several townspeople digging up and burning the bodies of children. A councilman, Moses Holmes, would write letters to the citizens of Connecticut to be wary of a quack doctor who is telling people to burn the bodies of your relatives to stop the spread of consumption, a.k.a. vampirism, although he didn't use that word at the time. Now, okay. this might come as a shock, but the people chose to ignore what the councilman Moses Hol uh, Holmes had told them and instead jump straight into the su supernatural beliefs because they felt so helpless against the invisible enemy known as tuberculosis which I kind of understand because it's like, oh, these people are dying. Your your brothers, mother, father, they're all dying, and they have no idea how to stop it. Oh, definitely, yeah. And, I mean, burning the bodies is, like we were just talking about the Black Plague before, uh, Nostradamus, he was kind of one of the people who, were, who was going around to these cities and towns and telling people to burn the bodies, basically to stop having funerals because the Black Plague was spreading, you know, from from dead bodies, basically that they, they thought, but um, it was obviously you know the the pus that was coming off of the dead bodies. Yeah, but it might be one of those things where it's just like, yeah, I mean, who knows? They're trying to figure out where it's coming from. 
And that that was something that helped them beat the plague. So might as it couldn't hurt. Obviously, honestly, though, burning the bodies is not really it's not that bad of an idea. You know, if you if you're worried about sickness. I'm going to show you where I think there's a little flaw in their plan here. Um, okay. And I think you're going to pick up how the way they're doing it didn't really help them. Okay. Now, sometime in 1790 in Manchester, Vermont, the first documented, at least fear of vampire harming the living uh, is etched into history. It all began when a woman by the name of Rachel Harris had died of tuberculosis now, one year later, her former husband, Captain Isaac Burton, would go on to marry Rachel's stepsister, Holda. Shortly after their marriage, Holda started exhibiting signs of tuberculosis, and the <laughs> friends and family of Captain Isaac Burton determined the only culprit responsible for Holda's sickness was Rachel, who is now a vampire. So, in front of a crowd of 500 people, they exhumed Rachel's body and burned her liver, heart, and lungs in a blacksmith's forge. Now, this is a quote here. Timothy Mead officiated at the altar in the sacrifice of the demon vampire who, it was believed, was still sucking the blood of the living wife of Captain Burton. That's pretty metal for a... Uh, quote in a newspaper there. Uh, unsurprisingly, Holda would die shortly after this ritual. <laughs> but, okay, there's an explanation here. The popular belief became uh, Rachel wasn't actually a vampire. Instead, she was actually a witch. Yeah, of course. Makes much more <laughs> sense. Definitely. Yeah. There's uh, no no one had a theory, maybe, Captain Burton might be a a carrier yeah. of tuberculosis, <laughs> yeah. nothing like that. No. No, okay. absolutely not. Yeah. It's, I love it how it's just so so normal for like this Captain <laughs> Isaac Burton, like his wife dies, so he just like jumps down a few branches on the family tree. Yeah. Uh hold no. up, hold up, get over here. We're getting married now. Yeah. Hold up. I gotta I gotta find someone to take care of all these fucking kids. <laughs> They're shitting all over the place. I They're always eating. Here's the thing though, but this is what I'm saying. Like, okay, maybe you burn the bodies right after they die, okay? No, yep. these people are burying them, then digging up their bodies, handling the bodies, guaranteed not washing their hands or anything, playing with their guts yep. and shit. <laughs> and, and then they go straight to eating, probably. Yeah. So it's and like. Feeding, and washing their kids' faces and, yeah, just. <laughs> so, of course, they're continuously spreading this shit to each other. Like, there's 500 people watching them do this. Yeah, and then I love it how they cut out the lungs and they're, you know, handling the lungs. No gloves, obviously. No. Handling the lungs. And it's like, dude, that's where the fucking tuberculosis, it was coming out of people's lungs, wasn't it? That's yeah, one it, of the things. You would catch it from the mist coming out of their the blood in their mouth. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. it's, it's, I mean, obviously they had no idea um, <laughs> that was going on, but like. Yeah, hindsight's a real good thing, but yeah, definitely. <laughs> I love how they called her a demon vampire. <laughs> like, what and then the fuck? She turns from a demon vampire to a, no, no, not a demon vampire. Perhaps a demon vampire witch. Yeah. They're like, yeah, oh, obviously. No, she wasn't. So uh, this is really weird because somehow they think the person in the grave, okay, I don't know how deep they're buried. <laughs> somehow they're getting out of there and like in the middle of the night, they're like consuming whoever's affected's body and like killing them slowly and then reburying themselves. Like how the fuck are they doing this? Yeah. I have no idea. It's one of those deals where I think it's just the kind of the, there's so much superstition and there's such a lack of knowledge on about any like kind of modern medicine that we have, you know, n knowledge of, you know, death and all of that. Also too, you got to remember just like with the black plague, there was so much shock from seeing like neighbors, loved ones, friends, family, everybody, just people dying left and right from all of these sicknesses. So you really, you really want to try to get a grasp on it. Right. So you want to, I mean, the most important thing about these rituals that come out of it is just feeling like maybe you can have a handle on it. Maybe there's something I can do because really it's 
There's nothing you can do. No, absolutely not. And like, I don't, it's just like, what, what were they thinking? Do you know what I'm saying? Like, what exactly do you think, were they just like, do you think anybody thought it was just a disease? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, there was probably doctors and, you know, learned people around who were probably trying to study it, trying to figure something out, um, trying to take more of a scientific approach. You also got to remember, though, for every one of those, there was probably also traveling snake oil salesmen. Yeah. Or mystics or cult, you know, the early leaders of cults and shit trying to trying to sell their idea to the public. And they're always going to be better salesmen than scientists and doctors. Right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Doctors are kind of boring sometimes. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Just look at Fauci. Right. I mean, he had a horrible sales pit, yeah. basically. <laughs> now, the, from all the research, obviously, this is a long time ago and everything. I They were burning bodies before the Rachel Holden and Captain Isaac Burton scenario, but it kind of seemed like when that happened, it kind of opened the floodgates, um, and yeah. a lot more people were doing it. Now, what we do know is throughout the 19th century, the leading cause of death in the Northeast was, in fact, tuberculosis, which accounted for roughly about 25% of all deaths. As a result, they would have about 80 documented cases of townspeople exhuming the bodies of those who have died from tuberculo- tuberculosis and then proceeding to burn their internal organs to <laughs> stop you know, the spread of this vampire spreading the disease. But they believe the truth is a lot of the like really isolated areas because there was a lot of very, very rural areas in the New England area that the yep. number is actually quite a bit higher. Oh, definitely. Yeah, that's just like you said, 80 documented cases. Yeah. How many times did that shit fly under the radar? Well, I assume if it's documented, you have to have at least some, I don't know. what did, Okay, were they town historians? Were they town journalists? I don't, who documented this shit? I mean, the newspaper, maybe. Yeah, so. if, if, if the town was big enough to have a printing press, a newspaper, maybe them. Um, if they were big enough to have local government. some of the, You got to remember, too, some of these towns didn't even have local government probably back yeah. then. So here's the other really, thing. really anyone just writing shit down. Here's the other thing. Remember from um, like small town murder. How many of these towns just went up in a blaze? Oh, God. Yeah, exactly. The the houses were basically made out of kindling. Back <laughs> <Yeah>. then. <laughs> like all the documents. If there was documents on this happening, they probably got burned up. Yeah. So, yeah. Until shit started getting made out of brick. During that, like that late Victorian kind of like that turn in the 19th century era, basically like entire towns just were destroyed by fire. So, uh, but you, everybody, I think gets the idea, um, especially the really isolated areas. I guarantee there is a much higher fever pitch for this sort of weird ritual. Oh, definitely. You yeah. Know, so. Especially in the places where. You know, news from the outside world didn't come around often. Yeah. <laughs> right. Now, the New England vampire panic of the 1800s has one story that seems to stick out above all of the rest and has earned the main woman the title of the last American vampire. The story begins in the town of Exeter, Rhode Island in 1882. In the town lived a family known as the Browns. The Browns, like many families of the time period, had been suffering from tuberculosis. George Brown's family lived on the outskirts of the town where George was a, they used the term Yankee farmer, which I really, (laughs) (laughs) I really like that title. Uh, I don't know if you can get that anymore. Um, Tragedy first struck in December of 1882, claiming the, the life of George's wife, Mary Elza Brown. One year later, in 1883, tuberculosis killed George's 20-year-old daughter, Mary Olive Brown. Now, his son, Edwin Brown, had clearly contracted tuberculosis as well, and he was slowly growing thinner and thinner and very weak 
it seems like this is we're going to be taking about a 10-year jump here. Um, mm. But from what it sounds like, he was one of the cases where he was suffering for it for many, many years, many, many years. So it didn't kill him right away, which I think yeah. is kind of a rarity with tuberculosis. But Edwin, you know, with nowhere left to turn, he would eventually travel to Colorado Springs and seek, you know, kind of the latest medical treatment because at the time they believed that the dry, hot air would kind of um, kill the disease and that the mineral, mineral waters in this particular region of the country were actually a cure for tuberculosis. Um, yes. Go oh, ahead. I was going to say it's because the, like tuberculosis involves so much coughing. They thought that it was the moisture in the air. Right. So the dry air would kind of dry out. They also believe like the, it was living in the lungs. So they believe like taking in these like deep hot breaths would <laughs> dry that shit out. <laughs> like I'm sure Arizona, California, Nevada, probably very big places for this as well. Yes, we were talking about Richard Nixon's uh, one of the people in his family who was suffering from an illness and they moved them into into Arizona for the dry, hot air. Yeah, it's I mean, it's a good idea. Maybe it prolonged Edwin's life here. I don't know for sure. Um, somehow he it seems like he must have been living with this for at least five to ten years. Yeah, it sounds like you'd rather just kind of have a ticket quick. <laughs> just rather rather than slowly just fade away. Yeah, so. it's I don't know. Did you play Red Dead Redemption 2? Yes. Did you oh, finish fuck, the, Yeah. Did you finish the game? Almost. Okay. Do you want me are you ever gonna play it again? Are you ever gonna finish it? I've heard the ending involves uh farm work. Well, it involves uh consumption as well. It's very very okay. tragic. Very tragic. But uh Anyway, now, while Edwin Brown was in Colorado Springs seeking treatment, he was gone about 18 months. Uh, Mm. George's other daughter at the time, 19-year-old Mercy Lena Brown, would pass away in January of 1892, 10 years after her mother had died. Now, the death of Mercy Brown seems to be up for a bit of debate on whether she was originally asymptomatic and then the tuberculosis kind of finally killed her um, or if she had simply just contracted tuberculosis and died in a similar fashion to her mother and sister. I thought it was kind of interesting. Apparently, like you mentioned kind of earlier, you can be asymptomatic and spreading it, but they carrier. Yeah. Yeah. But they kind of made it seem like she could have been a carrier when she was younger. And then it kind of came on and killed her. I don't know if it works like that or not. Yeah, I do know that uh, tuberculosis, like you can be a carrier of it. You can you can basically not get sick. Uh, I'm not sure if you can go for like your entire life and, you know, not get sick from it or if it's just one of those things where it does hit you. But I have heard like of people being carriers back then. So, yeah, they don't know either way. It doesn't I guess it doesn't matter in the end, but it finally killed her. So essentially this has wiped out from what I know. um, (laughs) The mother, the two daughters, and George and Edwin are the only ones who are still alive. So, if you can call Edwin still, uh, yeah, true, basically true. <laughs> he's on death's door, pretty much. <laughs> true, um, but the thing is, is like this is probably a microchasm of a lot of families during this time, right? Yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Like, I mean, some families were lucky to only have maybe one family die of tuberculosis but for the for the father of that family it hit everybody it's just very very similar to the plague back in the fucking you know the dark ages and shit very bad (sighs) yeah let's hope we never have to go through these types of diseases uh ever again you know what i mean yeah or a real pandemic that'd be really scary well i'm saying like when (laughs) i know what you're saying but if if I don't know what the mortality rate of tuberculosis was, but it had to be quite high. Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. It, Yeah, it's, uh, I'm not exactly sure about the numbers either. But, I mean, considering we know not only what tuberculosis is, but also what consumption is, just from it being written about all of the artwork, you know, every single, basically any story 
that we see in the movies from this time involves someone having consumption. Yeah. You know, it was so prevalent. They start coughing on blood. You immediately know um, what's going on. That character is going to die pretty soon. Basically. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Now, uh, back with the, uh, with Edwin here, he had just returned from Colorado Springs and he found out that uh, his symptoms weren't getting any better, even after the 18 months of treatment. Mm-hmm. So some of the townsfolk of Exeter would approach George Brown and inform him that the it was more than likely one of the women of his family were, quote, feasting on the living tissue and blood of Edwin. Uh, it was the only possible explanation why he had just received all this medical treatment and his symptoms weren't weren't improving. What other reason could there be? Now, a lot of sources, multiple sources I was reading, claim that George Brown, he actually wasn't a believer in any of these vampire theories. And maybe he felt he felt some sort of societal pressure from the yeah. townsfolk. But so for some reason he would give him permission to exhume his family members' bodies. Yeah, I'm guessing he wasn't afraid of vampires, but he probably wasn't. Afraid of angry mobs. Yeah. So, pitchfork wielding fucking rednecks. Yeah. That's uh, <laughs> that's enough to make you fucking alter your belief systems. Can you count, uh, what is this, 1892 Northeastern people as rednecks? Oh, there's rednecks everywhere. <laughs> yeah. It's Yeah. It's, you know, they're not just, it's not just like in the South and, you know, the rural, like middle of the country. There's rednecks in every single state. It's, it's so. a, it's a, uh, it's a presence of mind. It's a lifestyle, right? Yes, exactly. The uh, <laughs> the independent folk, you can call them. <laughs> yep. On March 17th, 1892, the townsfolk would exhume the graves of Mary Brown and Mary Olive Brown. But when they opened their caskets, they found uh, there was nothing but bones remained, leading them to believe that these two women couldn't possibly be the vampire they were looking for because they were skeletons now. So there was only one other possible culprit, Mercy Lena Brown, which, mind you, keep in mind, she had only died about two months prior to them digging her up. When they opened up the casket uh, that was holding Mercy Brown, they soon discovered that she was lying on her side, very bad sign. Her face was red in color, which instantly piqued the interest of the Exter uh, vampire hunters. Matters only got worse when they cut her open and discovered that there was still blood in her veins and her heart still contained blood, a very clear sign that she was, in fact, a vampire. Ah, yeah. Uh, I'm a little bit worried that perhaps Mercy wasn't (laughs) completely dead when they buried her. Yeah. That that I, actually happened a lot back then. Very true, actually. I didn't even... That didn't cross my mind. Although, if she was buried alive, right? Um yeah. How long would you actually live in there before you suffocated? A few days. A few maybe. days. Maybe. Maybe. Like, okay, so think about it. You get buried. Whatever. I mean, a lot of the medicines, quote unquote, they had back then were, you know, filled with shit that would knock you the fuck out a lot of the alcohol a lot of, like um a lot of people think that possibly edgar Allan poe uh he was obviously the you know the very famous story is he died in the gutter but there's some people who think that he may have actually survived it um there is a lot of people back then basically the alcohol a lot of times you'd be drinking straight alcohol and it put you into something that looked more like a like you were dead but you were actually in a coma. So, if you've ever heard of the, you've ever heard of the saying "dead ringer," or uh, yeah, I've heard that before. Yeah, they're dead ringer working the graveyard shift. So, what they would do is they would put little bells. They would put a string going down to a casket connected to a bell. That way, if you woke up in your casket, you could ring that bell, and then the guy working the graveyard shift, basically working overnight in the graveyard, would come and dig you up. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely heard that before. Um, yeah. It'd be scary because it's probably going to take him quite a few hours to take you out of there. Oh, yeah. It's going to take you. It's going to take him a, a minute. But uh, <laughs> they have actually. So, you know how along the Mississippi River, uh, it floods a lot. A lot of those old graveyards have their caskets kind of wash out of the graveyards and down the river. 
sometimes they'll open up those grave those caskets and they'll see scratch marks on the inside of the caskets from that's, people trying to get out. Um that's scary. Uh we're yeah, lucky it's they terrifying. They we're lucky they embalm me now, so there's basically no chance you can still be alive unless you are in fact uh Elon Musk or Jeff Bezos. Yeah, immortal beings or not human, basically. But in Bezos's case, but yeah, it's really fucking terrifying. But basically, now the the things that they do to a you are guaranteed are dead because you're full of fucking whatever formaldehyde they put in you. So I also found out even if you are technically dead, they can keep you alive. <laughs> like yes. they have devices that will keep your heart and lungs pumping even though keep- you are dead. Yeah, brain dead, but yeah. they'll keep your organs alive so that they can take them out and, you know, hopefully give them away and not put them on the black market. <sighs> so Regis Philbin can eat them later on. Yes, <laughs> he requires he requires the blood of the innocent to stay useful. <laughs> now, uh, back at the scene here, um, on scene, there was actually a doctor, Dr. Harold Metcalf, and he was trying to explain to these town people That Mercy's body, the way it was decomposing, was exactly the way it should for someone who had just been buried two months prior. But, uh, of course, in a fervor here, they're not listening to old Dr. Harold Metcalf. Uh, So, right there, in the graveyard, they built a bonfire, uh, and they would cut open Mercy and take out her heart, liver, and lungs, throw them on the fire, burn them up, they then collected the ashes from Mercy's organs and would take them to George Brown's house. They would then mix the ashes with some water and it would be drank by Edwin Brown as they believed that this would kind of uncurse him, I guess. I don't know. Cure his the vampire that was sucking his life energy away. Um, mm. Shockingly here, Phil... Catch your jaw for when it hits the floor here. Um, Edwin Brown would die two months later on May 2nd, 1892. I'm surprised that he didn't die two minutes later. (laughs) Fucking, that's disgusting. (laughs) What the fuck? Imagine how many times this exact scenario probably happened. I do have to ask, though, are you getting into the story of how Ovaltine was created in the town? (laughs) Is that... It might be Ovaltine, because Ovaltine tastes pretty terrible. Yeah, he, the doctor's name is actually Dr. Harold Ovaltine. Um, <laughs> he just he, he, he preferred to go by Metcalf at this time. Yeah, his middle name was Ovaltine. <laughs> oh, my God. That shit is... Uh, that's a good joke there, Phil. Man, Ovaltine. I haven't had that shit in 10 years. Yeah, I've had that once, and uh, it, was the, it was the first and last time. Uh, are you more of a Nesquik guy? Yes, I was. Yeah, yeah. we good. actually um, we were more of a chocolate syrup in white milk family, yeah, more or less. Yeah, it's not that's not too bad. That's the the old Grandma Betty. That's how she all whipped up chocolate milk. Yeah, you got to stir it. You got to stir it hard and quick and drink it fast before it turns back into chocolate on top. Here's the real question, though. You know, uh, Grandma Betty, I love her. Uh, she <laughs> when she was alive, she would buy the cheapest. Food items possible. So she had like a generic, generic version of the chocolate syrup and it never tasted right. You had the Hershey one. That one tasted pretty good. The like generic fairway one, not very good. Yeah, I do remember whenever we would hang out at your grandma's house, she would pull the cookies out of the pantry and they definitely, I think they may have been as old as I was at that time. <laughs> they were. It was obviously from the Denton bent. They yeah, were they yeah. were they were a little a little past their prime there. Yeah. Uh that's fun. You know what is a fun game now? Maybe you should play this with your coworkers. Um we talked about candy and I'm like looking at all this gross candy, I'm like, Oh, my grandma used to have that at her house. <laughs> and then I'm like, Oh, you get all this shit from the dollar store. I didn't even read I didn't put even put two and two together. Yeah, definitely. It's not even the dollar store. It's it's the stuff that the dollar store rejects, and it's in basically crappy little bodegas that actually are just front for, fronts for drugs. Yeah. That's basically what's on their shelves. <laughs> exactly. Now, the reason that Mercy Brown um, kind of earned the title of the last American vampire, because she's very clearly not a fucking vampire, 
um, was because, and this is how this is funny how it was slower travels. Ten years prior, in 1882, Robert Koch uh, would discover tubercle bacillus and slowly but surely. Uh, people in even the most remote of areas would start to believe in the germ theory and realize slowly that consumption was actually a disease from a bacteria that created tuberculosis. Uh, Additionally, uh, they finally started to embalm people, so that really helped ease the mind of these New England townsfolk that the vampires would not rise from the grave. Yep. So she's kind of, it's the last documented, the big documented event of it. And then when they're like, oh, they can't actually be a vampire because it's this fucking bacteria that's killing people. Yeah, because we, and because we pump them full of fucking basically whatever plastic shit, you know, <laughs> all just, that crap that we pumped them full of, we, they can't move around anymore. They're no, done. No, yeah. I. I just assumed that was Worcestershire sheer sauce, Phil. <laughs> exactly. That might actually kick someone awake for yeah. an extra five seconds. <laughs> that shit, once that gets into your nose, whew, that would wake up a dead person. I will say it's amazing that in 1882, they started believing in germ theory in the, the rural areas. I remember in 1992, a lot of the old farmers in Iowa not believing in germ theory. Yeah, it's... <sighs> I don't know. Uh, I mean, it did take 10 years for them to hear that. Or at least they believed in germ theory enough to realize that consumption was from a bacteria. You know, at least that one. Yeah, I'm kind of talking about how none of the none of the people back in Iowa, a lot of the old farmers never wash their hands. Nah. uh, Yeah, definitely. Always. They would eat with just filthy fucking hands, basically, like pitching shit all day and then just go eat. You know what? Um, that's why a lot of them probably didn't live a super long life. Yeah, maybe also why some of them really lived a longer. Very they were just immune immunity. to everything. Yeah, <laughs> actually, think from what I've heard now, this is more my, my grandpa and some of his old farmers. It is most more than likely the pesticides they were spraying around, which were exceedingly Ooh. carcinogenic. Yeah, a lot of that shit was made during the fucking Vietnam War. <laughs> the, yeah. uh, all of that horrible fucking, um, the DEET, basically all of the, basically pretty much might have been Agent Orange, you know, that they were using to kill all the weeds. Oof. Sounds like a good uh, conspiracy episode there, Phil. Possibly. <laughs> all right, now the very final thing of note that's kind of in correlation to the New England Vampire Panic uh, was actually made in 1990. Now, apparently, children were playing near a gravel mine in Griswold, Connecticut, when they discovered uh, some human bones. Eventually, a state archaeologist would discover an unmarked cemetery that contained about 29 graves. Weirdly, in some of the graves, the bodies were actually decapitated, and the skull and two femur bones were placed on the rib cage, making that stereotypical uh, skull and crossbones sign. Yep. Uh, the weirdest part was that this was done to the bodies five years after they were initially buried. And it believes that, or this guy believes, some people believe that that might have been another form of them trying to ward off vampires. Or it might have been just some uh, some metal kids. Could you know, that was that only too. 10 years after the satanic, so. <laughs> Very true. Uh, no, I'm saying <laughs> the graves Actually, are... Actually, I'm surprised some of the fucking, uh, the talk shows back then didn't just blame it on satanic. I was, you know what's funny? In the notes, I was saying the satanic panic to me is kind of a form of mass hysteria. Mm. Oh, definitely. Yeah. Manufactured but... mass hysteria. Okay. Yeah. Hold on, just so we're clear here, these graves they dug up are like from the 17, 1800s. Oh yeah, I know. Okay, I'm just, just, okay, it's a little joke there. But, but here's the thing: Have you ever heard of them removing the femur bones to like make a skull and with an X? Making like a almost God, like a what is like a sigil or something like that? Kind of making 
I wonder, did they rebury these bodies or were they arranged kind of, you said it was in a mass grave. Yeah. Yes. So interesting. Basically my understanding, um, and I guess they were able to tell when they were buried initially, when they were dug up from the damage of the Mm -hmm. body. Um, So essentially some, these people were buried five years later, someone opened the casket, removed the head, removed the femur bones, laid the femur bones on the ribcage in an X, and then set the skull on top of it. Yeah, it sounds and, some, uh, God, that's, I don't know. And like, what about like cult activity? Could not, not, you know, cults as we think of them, but more like localized kind of like religious factions, you know, I cur- kind of like cults inside of their religion who were trying to, you know, had their own little weird beliefs. Certainly could be, um, I think what they're trying to say is this might be like maybe that section, whatever town existed there or people existed there thought decapitating the head might prevent the vampire from raising, rising again or something, or maybe it was to make a sigil or something. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, it's weird to think too, like that new England area, you know, has been inhabited. Obviously all, you know, North America has been inhabited for thousands of years by Native Americans. But there were so many like like New England settlements that came and went and then just had new settlements like built on top of them. It's amazing to think how many unmarked like graves there are just in the country, in that part of the country. Just just graveyards, basically someone's backyard that they don't even know. Right. You know? Yeah, I, I'm sure there's dead bodies everywhere and we don't even realize it, honestly. Just like poltergeist. Yeah. Well, shit. I was living, when I was uh, living in England, They there was a big news story about them finding, they were basically digging up uh, to build a parking lot. They had found like a Saxon graveyard. Wow. Underneath, you know, they had dug deep enough to where they found this Saxon graveyard. They basically had to stop making this parking lot so that the archaeologist or the whatever people could come in and dig up all of these graves and, you know, move, move them. Yeah. Obviously, like... They well, they moved them, but obviously they took all the trinkets and shit and put them in museums. It is England for all, right? Know, after right. all, well, I, the thing is with this whole story, Phil. Like, I'd never personally heard of the Vampire Panic, but I just am like, this is such a weird piece of history that I I feel like a lot of people don't know happened, and it's really yeah. fucking crazy. Yeah, it's insane because, I mean, we think now about like vampires, you know, mummies, all of that, all of the basically like the paranormal kind of shit that makes for really good stories for our movies. Like having you don't really think about like 200, 300 years ago, they were living in a world where they thought these were very real things. Yeah, man, digging up people's graves, you know, a lot of Christianity was I would assume they thought that was desecrating the graves, but apparently not. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, if you if a, if you need a means, you know what I mean? Like, you can kind of go around whatever beliefs you might have just to, you know, make the madness stop, I suppose. But if you don't know what the fuck's going on, really. I, from what I was reading, I didn't look too far into it, but there is mentions that, you know, Mercy Brown, pretty famous. Um, a lot of people have damaged her, her like, headstone because of w- this story. Okay. Very interesting. Tragic. Yeah. I mean, it's not really that surprising, you know, shitheads do that when, yeah. um, to, to people like this. So I think it's kind of a historical marker now, I believe kind of, um, with this story that happened. So that's kind of neat, but yeah, it's too bad people have damaged and desecrated her grave. Yeah. That's what I was thinking when you were saying it, probably just some shitheads drinking beer and going out there trying to impress their buddies. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm not afraid of vampires. You know, that kind of fucking bullshit. <laughs> but uh, what do you think of this, Phil? Is it uh, kind of a shocking thing for you to hear? or? I mean, it's I'm never shocked by, right. <laughs> you know, the human fucking condition anymore. I've listened to enough fucking true crime in the past, what, three years since you introduced me to that shit. I've listened to enough of it where I'm not shocked by anything anymore, really. But it's, I mean, it's crazy to think that... Really, it just happened, what, 130 years ago? You know, it's... Yeah. It's not... We're You think about the 1880s, 1890s, and that's like, you know, when the railroads started getting really, you know, really prominent. Well, I mean, they were already prominent, but 
Like the whole country was being connected by railroads. Cars were going to come around soon. We were starting to, you know, make diesel and gasoline engines in a couple of years. Hell, fucking airplanes were going to be invented in 20 years after this. You know what I mean? Very like, true. Yeah. And to think like they were having a vampire panic when the Wright brothers were going to discover flight in 20 years. It's honestly really... I was thinking about this. Now, obviously, in, in relation to, let's just say COVID, right? Obviously, yeah. a lot different. But how much crazy shit have you read on the internet where people are claiming, like, COVID-19 originated from? There's a lot of oh, crazy yeah. shit. Definitely. And it is the yeah. year 20, at that time, 2020. Like, come on, dude. We're supposed to be rational thinkers and believe in science and stuff, but... Still, people believe it's coming from a fucking cell phone tower. So there's that. Yeah. Also, it's crazy. People think that it came from a pig fucking a dog getting shit on by a bird. Yeah. The original story. <laughs> Yo, wait, you don't believe the South Park version where Mickey Mouse and Stan's dad were having <laughs> sex with a bat? Yeah. No, not really. I don't believe that. <laughs> I think it came from a lab. That's the uh, I think that's the accepted theory now. That's what I. That's what I hear. Um, yeah. Sorry to get this. Uh, this episode flagged for COVID no. shit, but we'll be okay. Nobody listens anyway. Um, that's so, true. So Phil, uh, if anybody wants to contact us, if anybody's been to Mercy Brown's grave or this area and seen any of this stuff, please contact us. And where can they do that, Phil? Oh, that'd be awesome to hear from you guys if you have uh, visited any of these areas where today they can hit us up on our email subliminal podcast at gmail.com uh love hearing from everybody uh got over the past couple of months we've been getting quite a few emails you know some traffic also on our instagram uh subliminal deception podcast on ig uh love all the likes all the shares everybody you know just talking to us it's great uh cody and i both also have our own instagram accounts minus sd pod phil cody you got one yeah you can follow me at cody's above i'm Making a return to Instagram, I've been more uh, on it than I usually have, so follow me. I'll be posting some stuff. Um, the last thing we need you guys to do is to log on to iTunes, leave a show five-star review. doesn't really matter what you say, just five stars and type whatever the fuck you want in there. Um, otherwise, if you are a Spotify listener, it's even easier. You just got to hit the five-star review button. You don't have to type shit really helps boost our ratings, help us get to a wider audience, which we greatly appreciate. Um, I hope you guys, everybody enjoyed this little piece of uh, American history, and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks, guys.